Attention audience. That's right. It's that time again. We know what it is. It's favorite time of the week. It is... <gasps> it's Friday, Friday, Friday films. Da -da -da. That's right. I don't even I don't even argue anymore. It's Friday. We're back with Friday films. Uh, still bonding review. Still That's going right. strong. I we're not even halfway, but we're having so much fun with it. And this week we've got a good movie. I, I feel like this was a really good one. Um, we went with the Spy Who Loved Me, which is next in the rotation. That's right. That's right. I am very excited that you and I talking before the show of kind of you know pre thoughts of what we thought about this. Um, I was very excited that you and I, I think this is the first time that we've done a Bond movie that you and I were both equally excited for. Like we've had other Bond movies that we, you know, we agree on the rankings and everything, but usually one of us really you know, likes it more than the other. Mm -hmm. And the other one kind of convinces them that where it we needs were, to be. We were the same with, uh, from Russia with love, but granted it was only the second movie, but we, yeah, both we were, were yeah, pretty we were strongly in agreements with that, with that yeah. one. Whereas, like the uh, like um, um, on Her Majesty's Secret Service, after doing the review with you, hearing your thoughts kind of changed my mind a little bit because it was originally lower on my list. Yep, and, and I think was that a... was the same for you. For you, only lived twice, which ended up being our number two. Uh, yes, yes, yeah, and yeah. I forget there was another one that I wasn't a fan of that you kind of like raised my. Uh, yeah. My, my personal ranking a little bit more on so i was like eh, okay. so i'm excited for this one so spoiler alert jordan and i both really like this movie all right well with that let's kick it off uh eric you have our intro not really trivia but our intro notes I yes yes uh release states the spy who loved me uh starring roger moore barbara bach and kurt jurgens um, and frank and frank uh, release date of August 3rd, 1977. A budget of a whopping $14 million. This is wow. by far the biggest budget Bond movie we've had to date. Like by double. You, you know, know the sad thing is? I still don't think Frank sees a penny of it to this day. Frank doesn't see a penny of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but $14 million, man, and like with the pacing of this movie and the stunt pieces we see and the toys, the car, I mean, you can definitely see, like they, they spared no expense on this, on this movie. Um, and I think this kind of sets the tone for, for ones you'll see come further. Uh, Runtime of two hours and five minutes. So kind of right in that sweet spot for Bond movies. You know, mm -hmm. most of them run right around that two hour mark, which is perfect, you know. Um, Majesty's Secret Service ran a little bit longer. Um, that was one of my critiques of it, but two hours, that's that sweet spot. Directed yet again by Lewis Gilbert. Uh, I think he does maybe one more, or this might be this, his last one. I'm not 100%. Um, but yeah, <clears throat> with that, rolling into it. Yeah, let's just start. I mean, we have the classic opening. Um, however, I did notice the song was slightly more techno-y, or at least it, it felt to me it was a little bit more technically in this intro. i liked it though i, I mean it was good yes yeah. it was good it was different i just it caught me off guard because i'm like wait a minute something's not right here <laughs> um also i think this is the first time that that bond in the uh in the gun barrel was in color i think previously he was in black and white as well no because if i'm not mistaken we had the same conversation in the last movie probably either way <laughs> 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 I mean, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure we've had this conversation of color yeah, before. Yeah. Either way, I think we, I think we're getting more consistent with the gun barrel intros, though. 
You know, yeah, yeah. They're, like they're doing said, the, the, the tracking dots, and then you know the the circle mm-hmm. that fades into the next scene. Yeah, other than that little bit of a technically song uh, difference, I mm-hmm. mean, it all pretty much seemed the same to me. Absolutely. Um, and then from the gun barrel intro, we cut to a English English. It was an English submarine, right? Yes, it was an English submarine. Yes. Um, we cut to an English submarine who's you know doing their underwater things and whatnot. Submarine begins to shake. The officers, everyone aboard, begin. You know, what's going on? What's happening? It rises to the surface and pops out its beautiful little periscope and spots something in the periscope of which the, 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 the captain kind of freaks out about. We don't see what it yeah. is, however. No. No. So we promptly cut right back to jolly old England where reports are received of the missing nuclear submarine. No, I mean, I, I just want to point out here because I, I noticed it in this scene. I noticed it in the next scene and several other scenes. It's always the red phone. Always the red phone. Why is it always the red phone? I'm, I'm just curious. At what point in time were they like, hey, guys, let's make this phone the red phone? Dude, the red phone is the shit has hit the fan phone. I know, but why is, Why did they go with red for this? Because red I mean, means bad. <laughs> I guess it makes more sense. Red's bad. I mean, <laughs> you, well, I guess it wouldn't have made sense if it was here's yellow. Here's the thing. You don't want to <laughs> accidentally, like, it can't be the black, same color phone as anything else because you don't want to accidentally pick up the bad phone thinking it's the good phone and then end up nuking somebody. That just doesn't want you. You, you don't want that to happen. <laughs> well, I'm glad they color code them because I always remember watching these things. You look across the table and the important people always have like 10 different phones. Yeah. So there's always a red one, a white one, a black one, and the other That's ones right. we don't even know what they go to. It could be, you know, it, it, at least they're not like a red, you know, red phone, green phone, because then if you've got somebody who's colorblind, they could fuck that up real easily. <laughs> <laughs> could be bad could be really bad <laughs> well yeah it's a uh, good point good point anyway after reporting the missing nuclear sub to jolly old england we cut to moscow where the ministers prime minister slash head general i can't remember which what his position is i think it's head general something like that Ah, uh, yeah something like that is requesting their best agent because he also has a red phone. Yes, of which we we prompt we, we promptly cut to sexy sexy time between a man and a woman, where the music box next to their bed goes off, requesting Agent Triple X to respond immediately. You know the man's in bed with her. You know says something. So you think the man's the agent, but it's the woman who responds. Yep. So the woman. Well, and that's what I like because it's code like name Agent Triple X. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. Like I. Uh, I noticed because the guy's like, oh, well, I got to go. And she's like, oh, you know, it's a little bit longer. And the mm-hmm. guy's like, no, I got to be somewhere at so-and-so time. And then they get the call for Triple X. And then she's, you know, he looks at it and then gets up. And then she's the one that responds. I'm like, that's cool. Like, yeah. I like that little play there. Yeah, it kind of caught me um, off guard. I, I enjoyed that as well. Yep. <clears throat> now, if I'm not mistaken, was it, he said something. He made a comment about having to leave for Austria, I think. Yes. Yes, which we, we will get to that in the very near future. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I put a note down. I was pretty sure I yeah, didn't miss yeah, that right. Yeah, the gentleman in bed with her, um, with Agent Triple X, mentions having to be being called to Austria. Um, so we cut back to jolly old England, where M gets a call from the Prime Minister. M asks Money Pony, where is 007? Find 007. Well, he's on a mission in Austria. M requests Bond to pull out of his current mission immediately. 
You notice I, I don't know if people can't see me, but I finger quoted. <laughs> I saw the finger quote. Pull out of his current mission immediately. <laughs> because the very next scene we cut to is Bond engaging in glorious sexy time in the middle of the, in the Austrian Alps. Um, <laughs> where Bond proceeds to hear clicking and a message, a coded message is printing out from his watch. His teller teletype watch yes yes absolutely Um, i was like where do they hide the paper is it like in the wristband how does that work (laughs) Um, the message is calling him to report report back to england immediately um bond you know hops up from his sexy time dresses very quickly in a super yellow ski suit see yellow's better (laughs) he's been going down in a red suit he had some red he had some red boots and a red hat though A very 1970s ski suit. Um, Upon leaving with his skis, the woman that he had sexy time with reports his location to some henchman skiers, which are waiting, you know, waiting nearby. And we start this movie with a ski chase. I I would say I didn't mention how many different types of chases were in this movie. There was a lot of, well, you keep tally on, you keep tally on because I did not keep tally, but there are several different types of chases. Well, we start off obviously with a ski chase. Yes. As they're going down in their little uh, slopes and stuff, I did notice there was a couple cool little uh, camera angles, like the following angles. Oh, absolutely. Uh, where they went through like some like tunnels and stuff, a little real short ones. I thought that was kind of neat how they do that. I mean, and the granted, you start seeing do. that more in future movies, but I mean, it's always neat when you do those follow ones because people are actually skiing and yeah. the camera are actually follow them also skiing. It's not like they just, you know, hooked up a rig and just, you know, threw the camera through the tunnel. Doing follow shots and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the music, man, I made a special note. The music in this scene is freaking awesome. It was really, really It good. is great action set piece music. I mean, you feel it. You're excited. Mm-hmm. Um, so the ski, ski chase is going on. Like you said, they're doing follow shots. They're doing all sorts of really cool cool scenes. Um, while Bond's being chased, he proceeds to flip, flip around and start skiing backwards where he uses one of his ski poles as a gun and just yeah. straight up murks the man, the one skier who's following him. Gadget um, number one. Yeah. Uh, Bond flips around. Or two, around. sorry. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I lost track. Bond flips around and proceeds to ski, ski off the cliff where the audio cuts to complete silence. For several seconds while he's falling, falling, complete silence. And then he proceeds to pull a parachute with the Union Jack, the flag of the of, uh, of Great Britain as his parachute. And the music kits back in as the James Bond song. And we cut to the intro. Really like that. Transition. Awesome intro sequence. This yeah, is, that was probably one of my favorites so far. Yeah, this is the, easily the, the coolest, like pre-intro song scenes we've i think we've had so far mm-hmm. i've re- i really enjoyed it yeah um, it was a, like you said it was a good pace to start it off um a little bit of action straight into the intro and mm-hmm. it was a, a good transition like you said it was like audio cuts you're like okay what's going on and then poof parachute and then like two little hands come around the parachute and boom there's the intro yep. starting yep absolutely um and as far as the intro goes uh great song love the song yep Great effects. I mean, classic Bond silhouettes all over the place, but they were done in a very cool way. And we're starting to see neat things where, like, you had the silhouette girls that, I mean, it's obvious they were were swinging on, like, a gymnast pole, but they designed it in a way that it looks like it was the barrel of the gun, you know? Yeah. So really cool shots done that way. Uh, Like I said, the the silhouettes all were pretty good. Uh, They had a couple... 
think they used like the red for the lighting, but they had like smoke rolling through a couple of the scenes, which I thought was kind of yep. neat to yep. give it that like different effect to it. Uh, so that was really neat too. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It, overall, it was a really good intro. I didn't really get too much on the details because, like I said, there was a lot of silhouettes, which we've been starting to see repetitive in yeah. all of the intros. Uh, the details. The smoke th- is the only thing I thought was really yeah. cool. The intros, I think, we're going to detail a bit more generically, uh, unless there's yeah. something that super sticks out. Because the Bond, I mean, it's become standard now that they're going to have the silhouettes. Yeah. Yeah, you know that's going to be a given. I think what it really, honestly, is going to come down to in the future is the song and how well it fits the theme of the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, well, I mean, because I, I know as you get into the future intros, some of the intros go kind of like almost have like their own mini story in the intro. Yes. yes. So like that, we can probably look at a little bit more as as time goes on. But right now, I'm still focusing on like the transitions and like the different effects they're using in those intros um, because I know the times are changing as we go through these movies, the special effects are becoming a little bit more easier to do. um, But it's still neat to see those simple effects that get overlooked all the time, like the smoke and so forth, Yep. uh, which I always enjoyed in the older movies because it's like, well, we don't have all this cool technology to just kind of like type it into the computer and into the video. So what can we do with stuff we have lying around? So it's always neat to see that kind of stuff. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, becoming more repetitive but there's still little things that i I keep an eye on which like i said the smoke and the um the different color Mm -hmm. backgrounds and all something that kind of caught my eye absolutely so i'm yeah definitely excited to see where we go further with the intros um but from the intro we cut back to moscow where the minister slash general never remember what his ranking is meets with i just kept calling him russian m russian there you go we're russian m russian m is what i call him this whole movie perfect where Russian M meets with Agent Triple X and reveals that Russia's nuclear sub has disappeared as well. Um, also, sadly, he reports that her her friend that she was close they knew she was close to and fellow spy was killed in the Alps by a British agent. They don't name the British agent, but as we know from the intro, we know it was Bond. Yeah. He was the man that was shot. He was the man she was in bed with. Um, so we already we're already putting those two, two things together. Uh, Bond arrives via helicopter on a British naval ship and meets with Q and several which, other officials. Which, real quick, because this transition from that scene to this scene, um, I I put a little note in. I thought was really clever when he tells Triple X about <clears throat> you know the other agent perishing on the previous mission, and the, all he knows is it had something to do with a British Secret Service mission. Yeah. Um, she, she goes and tells him, you know, I, I want you to keep me informed because yeah. I want to know who killed him. <clears throat> and then it transitions to Bond in the helicopter, yeah. which I thought was really yeah. cool. I'm like, Hey, I like that. Bond killed um, that man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it, it's not just like you see the helicopter. It's like it literally you transition to Bond in the window of the helicopter as the helicopter is landing. Like it was just a really good transition both yeah. on the audio commentary um, kicking over with the visual effects. Like, I, I just thought that was a real cool transition on that one. Agreed. Um, so Bond arrives via helicopter in the British naval ship, meets with Q and the other officials. Um, they discuss the last lo- known location of the sub and, you know, pull out some some plans that kind of, you know, is to track the where the sub disappeared, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, the officials seem like this is something that can't happen. Q chimes in on how the Russians could track their sub. Um, and they track down the last, you know, the last area and kind of get a ballpark range on it. And by this information, Bond is sent to Cairo um, 
Because of the other map. Yes, to track the buyer of, of, of this tracking technology that had been taken. Because yep. um, I think what they did is they went off of their own technology of where they were tracking their own sub and the sub, yes. you know, last communication. And then Bond pulled out a map from that was retrieved in Cairo yes. and put it up on the board. And it's like, Hey, it's the exact same map. Hmm. What a coincidence. Yep. And they, so. and they, they know there's a buyer buyer who's trying to buy this stolen tracking technology. The tracking technology mm-hmm. is the MacGuffin of this movie, man. Every movie there's a MacGuffin and this is, this is the one, um, the microfilm, if you will. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then we cut to a dinner where just a, a, a man, behind a long table is thinking the scientist who created the tracking system and reveals that someone close to them within the organization is just trying to sell this technology to competing governments. There's a woman in the room with them at the time and the girl is asked to leave the room. Um, and as she is on the elevator, we think at this point that it's one of the scientists that was the, you know, that, that was the trader that was trying to sell the technology. So the woman leaves the room. She goes into the elevator. Upon going into the elevator, the head honcho in the room cuts on a monitor where you see a shark tank, and he proceeds to press a button. The bottom of the elevator falls out. The woman falls through these tubes straight into the shark tank <clears throat> where the scientist and the head honcho proceed to watch her death on this monitor. Um, the scientists then leave the room um, go back in the ele- elevator and the windows open revealing that this base is underwater, which I thought was a pretty cool shot. I, um, yeah, I agree. I did like that scene yeah. too. And I, I liked the, the play on like the girl being the one drops in the tube because yeah. like one there, the scientists come in, they, they set up that scene where it's like he asked her to leave nicely because, in implying that bad things were going to happen to the scientists. Yes. So it's like, there's no suspicion of her being any way involved with this because as far as we know, she's just, you know, his other half or someone there that's eating dinner with him. All the foreshadowing Uh, is on the scientists. Yes. Yes. But it kind of shows you his little, little switchboard thing Mm -hmm. with the tubes and the sharks and all that kind of reveals that, which is neat. Um, so I kind of like that scene. It kind of like sets you up to like, oh, okay, now we know what kind of villain this really is. Yes. So I, this I'm guy starting is to see no jokes, my villain. You know, yeah. Take no shit, businessman. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once with the base, it's the the windows open, revealing the base is underwater. We cut to an outside shot of the base rising out of the water like the Legion of Doom headquarters from from Super <laughs> yeah. Friends. That's all I could think about while I was watching this freaking movie is the Legion <laughs> of Doom headquarters. <laughs> uh, now that's all I'm going to think about. Um, the gentleman asks asks his henchman Jaws and Shondo to track down the microfilm um, of the tracking software and kill anyone in their way. Um, the si- we cut back to the scientists who are leaving by helicopter and they're all happy, going, "Thank God, we did not get in that we did team. not die." All I like this. when they left. They were kind of like looking at the elevator when they got in, they yeah. kept like looking at the floor, like waiting <laughs> for it. Yeah, um, see, leave by helicopter, thanking their lucky stars that nothing happened to them. Happened to them, and all of a sudden, we cut back to the man looking out the window as he presses a button, and the helicopter explodes. And then he proceeds to make a phone call, like, "Yes, can I cancel my twenty-one million transfer?" Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> 
So then we cut to Bond of Arabia, is what I'm calling it, which is Bond, Bond, Bond riding camels in the middle of the desert. <laughs> well, when you put it that way. Um, to a settlement in the middle of the desert, Bond meets with his contact in a tent full of beautiful women. Straight up mm. harem situation we got going on. Um, and Bond meets with this gentleman. We find out, you know, they seem to have a relationship. They know each other. Um, Bond gets information on Fikesh and Max Kalba? Ka- 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 I yeah. didn't get named. Yes, Max Kalba. Um, and then I believe, right. I believe there's also a sexual innuendo joke somewhere in there. I don't remember what it was. I, I didn't. I kind of skipped over that scene. I mean, like, I watched the scene. It was good, but I didn't put a lot of notes down. Yeah. Um, it was actually the next scene out after that whole meeting. And I think him, like, spending the night or something. Um, when he gets, starts, uh, I guess he starts walking around, like, the city or something the next day. I just remembered putting some notes in. There was a really neat scene where it's kind of like <clears throat> looking up somewhat of a stairwell through like an opening, like an archway. Yeah, yeah. And this Bond is, kind of walks into frame. Yeah. This is where we cut you, to Cairo where he's in Cairo. Yeah. 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 So I like I skipped that that whole tent scene as far as my notes and to kind of put notes in the next one. But I, I really enjoyed that scene with the way they played the lighting and the, like the buildings in the background and his like silhouette. Like it was mm-hmm. really neat. Um neat shot how they did that yeah they have some cool shots man uh, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll definitely get to some more because i've got some neat ones in my notes too um but bond continues exploring cairo um finds Fakesh's home and meets with a woman but all this time we see because we cut back to eyes that bond's being watched by mm-hmm. somebody somebody in the rafters bond proceeds to interrogate the woman and she attempts to seduce him saying you know Fakesh is going to be away from a while for a while you know, you got to wait a little bit. Um, <clears throat> then all of a sudden, Shondo, one of the henchmen from the beginning, attempts to assassinate Bond and the woman sacrifices herself. We're so used in these movies to Bond literally yeah. pulling the women in front of him. This time the woman jumped in front of the bullet for Bond. Which made no sense to me because, I mean, she was playing off as her purpose was to keep him distracted so the other guy could yeah. shoot him. Like it, it made no yeah. sense why she would sacrifice herself. Yeah. Herself. It was a weird situation, but it might be, we may have just misread it or missed something, but yeah, I picked up the Maybe. same thing you did. It was, it was weird. Um, but anyway, Sean, you know, she sacrifices him, sacrifices herself. Bond proceeds to chase Shondo to the rooftop and we have a rooftop fight engaged. Yes. Not overly long, relatively no i think it was like just right yeah relatively simple um but it works uh i mean until like the guy falls off the roof yes shondo falls off the roof but not before giving up information on fakesh's location um then we cut back to we're we're, we're moving man we're moving in cairo we're moving around we cut to Bon arriving at a Cairo, Cairo pyramid tour where Fakesh and Agent Triple X are having a meeting. Fakesh spots Jaws hiding in the shadows and leaves, um, and, and leaves running, you know, running back and forth behind behind the buildings and whatnot, with Jaws following. Um, and I made a and special Bob. note here of Jaws is a really really tall guy. Um, yeah. I'm six foot five. Jaws is like seven like five or whatever. I don't know. Um, but I made a special note of tall guys run really, really slowly because Jaws was moving at a snail's pace. This whole movie. (laughs) That's true. He was like Jason where he's never moving quickly, but he's always behind you. 
(laughs) (laughs) Which I think is one of the things that make Jaws one of the better henchmen. It's like he just magically is always there. He doesn't have to run. He's like, nah, nah, I'm good. Yep. Nah. Um, Do you know you're running in place on a treadmill, so I don't even have to move. uh, Bond sees this and proceeds to follow Fakesh. Fakesh locks himself inside of a tomb, but Jaws... For those listening at home and did not watch the movie, Jaws has these epic level metal teeth. Yes. And, and, and super epic strength levels, right. beyond all imagination. And for some um, reason does not die. Yes. Like, ever. So Fakesh locks himself inside this tomb, but Jaws straight up bites through the lock, walks in, and kills Fakesh. Mm-hmm. Um, as Jaws comes out, Bond's there. They face off. You know, they, they face each other. Um, the lights Which, go out. I was going to say, I, I, you, you finish what you have to say because this is um, contradicting to what we just said about Jaws. Exactly. <laughs> yes. The lights go out and, and, and Jaws straight up disappears. He's gone. Yeah. Like a fart in the wind, the man disappears. <laughs> <laughs> the slow guy is like nowhere to be seen. Exactly. The, the slow seven foot nine man you can't find <laughs> i like how in your world he keeps getting taller and i just call him eight feet You're by the slowly end, by the end of the feet. movie he'll be nine foot ten <laughs> he'll be like 12 he'll be like 12 feet um, um so yeah he just like straight up disappears just straight up disappears um bond goes into the tomb and discovers the body of fakesh and while when Bond comes out, Triple Eight, Triple X is there meeting him, and a small fight ensues between two of Triple X's henchmen and Bond. Um, once the henchmen are down, Bond just casually walks away. Mm-hmm. And I think there was a, <laughs> a couple like small, like slow, short comments back and forth between the two, but it was kind of like. Uh, we know something's going up, but we don't need to really say yeah. anything. Uh, which I thought was kind of cool because mm-hmm. especially in the next couple scenes when you start, they start like kind of working interacting together. more. Yeah. Um, it kind of makes a little bit more sense. It does. Uh, but I, I like what this scene because it was kind of like, all right, well obviously she thinks that bond killed him, but she knows better. Yeah. And bond's not really sure who, who she, she is, is. Yeah. but he, he kind of does. So mm-hmm. it's, it's nice. Cause they don't play that on camera that the two of them really know each other yeah. or know of each other. Um, so I love the casual, just bond walking away and like, Oh, Hey, cool. Did I pass your test type deal? Yeah. Or if not, I don't really care. See <laughs> yeah. ya. I got things to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, then we cut straight to a bar where bond and triple X meet again. Uh, they have a little brief, brief back and forth where triple X straight up runs through bonds history. She knows everything about yeah. this man that he only had one wife. He's a bit of a womanizer. His wife was tragically killed and that's where bond stops. Yep. Stops like, all right, cool. I get it. And I like that that was the where Bond, where they, where he stopped the conversation was your wife was tragically killed. And he's like, all right, that's yeah. enough. <laughs> yeah, and he cuts her off like mid-sentence yeah, too. Yeah. Um, um, so I like that. And this is the first time we kind of see references in Roger Moore to, um, uh, or spoken references to, to the Sean Connery movies or the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the George Lazenby one, specifically about his wife dying. And this was um, something I know we talked about briefly prior to this um, mm-hmm. recording that uh, 
This is also the first time I think we've seen, especially with Roger Moore's Bond, uh, her ordered or she ordered him a, um, a the, martini the, chicken nut stew. Yeah, yeah, the classic yeah. Bond drink when he's been drinking. I think you said was whiskey, it, um, whiskey, pretty much yeah. all the way through the other movies. Mm-hmm. So this is the first time you actually see his Bond character with the history. Of the previous movies before he even be, took over the, the mantle of Bond. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of interesting and different. Yeah, I enjoyed uh, it. I, I mean, I, I liked that, it. I enjoyed that history. I enjoyed those, those nods to the previous films. <clears throat> so, um, but after this brief back and forth, they part ways and Bond meets with Kalba. Triple uh, X shows up to outbid Bond for the technology. Kalba uh, mm-hmm. proceeds to excuse himself for a phone call. But Jaws is waiting in the wings. Kills him and takes the device. <laughs> I, I just reread my notes, and all I put was here was uh, um, he probably gets you know phone call, but but there's nothing there, and Jaws is just eating everything because yes. I think in the scene he just like goes through and like he starts like eating the door or something, <laughs> trying to get to him, like, and then he like Jaws he, hungry, <laughs> yeah, and then I think he even like tried to eat. Um, the guy too, like, like yeah. he, he like went on an eating spree. So he I mean, bites. He was. They really never hungry. show it, but I'm convinced he bites everybody that he kills. Like that's how I'm he kills pretty us, sure. He bites yeah, him. maybe that's why um, he keeps growing. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, Bond leaves the table and discovers Calva's body and sees John Jaws fleeing away. Uh, Bond follows him, and he and Triple X catch a ride in the back of Jaws's van, which I um, love. Yes, yes. Because he jumps in, and he's like, all right, cool, I got this. And then, like, after closing the door, the door just opens back up. And, and there she like, is. Yeah, hey, listen, is this a taxi? Listen, you're not leaving without me. Yeah. They proceed to have some conversation back and forth while they're waiting about the microfilm, realizing they're, they're pretty much on the same side. They're both looking for the same thing for their individual governments. Um, but Jaws is listening in from the No, I, know, I love that. Seat. I was like, yes, and he just you. And he just lets them ride along, you know. They ride, they ride overnight, they catch a little nap, mm-hmm. you know. I, I will say, even up to this point, Jaws might not say much, and he might be, like, very tall and always hungry and eating stuff, <laughs> but he's also really smart um, henchman. Like, he he's is. very clever. He is. He's yeah, he very is. clever. Very quick-witted henchman. Uh-huh. Yeah. But they ride overnight, and they arrive at some ruins. Jaws, you know, leaves the van and proceeds to walk through the ruins, Um Bond and Triple X, of course, proceed to follow him, but not before Bond takes the car, takes the car keys for the van. Yes. While they're following Jaws throughout the ruins, John Jaws disappears, and we see Bond, Bond and Triple X looking around, confused, like where'd this man go? And I love the shots where you see Jaws like walking on the mm-hmm. on the rafters above. Well, him. and the other thing is, I, I liked even before he disappears. He knows they're following him. Like oh, yeah. he's setting them up, which yeah. is another reason why it's like he's just super clever when it comes to this. He's like, yes, he took them there because you know they think they're secretly following him to his you know secret lair. Yeah. Meanwhile, he's like, no, you guys are following me right where I want you to be. This is where You're, I kill you. Like, <laughs> yes, like, and like I, even when he walks and he kind of stops for a second and he kind of glances over his shoulder and just has his little smile, like, yep, they're still following me. Like, he's just really, really clever. <laughs> <laughs> Jaws is definitely going to be up there on the henchman yes. list. Yeah, I, I agree as well. Um, while they're yes, confused, I do like those scenes too. Jaws proceeds to toss a boulder down from above, jump down, and a fight is, a fight ensues. 
get a little bit back and forth where Triple X pulls a gun on Jaws, but she gets mm -hmm. too close trying to pick up the microfilm. Jaws kicks it away. She proceeds to grab the microfilm and run off. Meanwhile, a scaffolding falls down on Jaws. Um, <clears throat> and Bond, Which I will say is clever. Yes, yes. Um, and Bond manages to escape. Triple X runs to the van, beats Bond to the van, but Bond has the keys. So he shows up and was like, you're looking for this? Um, yes. <laughs> and, and this is where you start to see that classic uh, back and forth between the two of yes. them. Like the, the competition, but the flirtiness. And like it's like all just kind of coming together. This scene I love because they're in the van. <laughs> Bond is in the passenger seat. Triple X is in the driver's seat. Bond gives her the keys. And all of, all of a sudden, Jaws shows up and begins to rip the car apart. But as I said before, dude is super strong. <laughs> My notes literally say, Jaws is back and hawking the van. Yes, straight <laughs> like, up That is literally what he was doing. Um, Triple X is trying to get away, but he's, you know, the, the gear shifts back and forth, all this. And Bond proceeds to just crack, crack, crack jokes about women drivers throughout this whole scene. <laughs> I love how casual he's, too. He's like, yeah. even while Jaws is just like ripping yeah. off the fender and stuff he's just like yep anytime we can go <laughs> they they manage to escape through very you know while jaws is lifting up the van and ripping off siding and everything their van's pretty beat to hell by the time they manage to escape through yeah. the desert but the van breaks down um and what we find out is triple x knows her cars because even though they don't fix this, the first thing she says is like, it must the must be the something combustor alternator thingy madugger, what have you. <laughs> Obviously, I don't know cars because I had no idea what she was saying, but she seems I, to know cars. I forget what so. she said, but yeah, she seemed to have uh, so some, to some idea X. of what was going on. Um, they proceed to walk through the desert and come across a sailboat that offers to take them back to Cairo, despite thinking they might be a little overdressed for the occasion because they're both still in, <laughs> yes. in tuxedos and what have you. Uh, Bond, while they're on the sailboat, Bond pulls out his pocket projector, which I thought was super cool, and proceeds I to view like the microfilm. Gadget number three? Uh, three or four, yeah. Um, uh, Bond and Triple X have a brief conversation back and forth, and they seem to be kind of seducing each other. And I love the score in this scene, where it's kind of that romantic mm -hmm. lead up, and then... All of a sudden, Triple X blows some powder in Bond's face with pocket sand, and he passes out. <laughs> Which props to her gadget and like whoever yes. her rushing cue is, because yeah. like they play the scene off great where she pulls out her cigarettes, and mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, please don't be like the cigarette gun, like it was in the other movie. But no, like she just went to light a cigarette and instead whew, knockout powder. <laughs> like that is clever. Yeah, that is very clever. A one point for her in this. Uh, that's right duet this dancing little, this little going dance on. of death if you will um but bond wakes the up missing dance. the missing the film he proceeds to walk through several you know walks walks through more ruins and arrives at m's secret bunker with miss money penny they got secret bunkers and secret bases in every country in the world man it's ridiculous <laughs> i love it i love it um with miss money penny um bond that boot's still my favorite though that the russian m is there as well with agent triple x M reveals that the governments have agreed to work together, but Bond also reveals that the film is incomplete because they haven't looked at it yet, apparently. Um, so they take it to Q to see if they can figure out more about this. Jordan, if you will, give me the, uh, give me the Q. Oh, chew. that's right. This is, uh, Q. 
Q time. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for yet another episode of Q time. On this episode of Q time, I've got several, several offers for you. If you find yourself in ancient ruins and you find yourself in need of, of, of some specific pieces of tech, well, for you, for this day only, for one day only, you can get yourself a decapitating tea tray, a spring-loaded ejector, a hookah gun, and a brand new oil slick for your car that shoots out what looks like gray foamy shit. <laughs> but it works. So, for only 12 easy payments of $9,999, you can get those four delightful items for this one-time special, special Egyptian offer. And these, these items, these items, I, 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 I should you not, are not only used by the British Secret Service, but apparently they're used by the Russian Secret Service as well and various other secret services throughout the globe. So why not have it in your own backyard? You got a neighbor coming over that you really don't care for. Buy yourself the decapitating tea tray and just ruin his afternoon. You got a gentleman that you got a cat. You got a you got a neighborhood cat that just keeps coming in your backyard, jumping over your fence. Well, you know what? Plop your spring your spring ejector right there in the backyard. Wait for that little bastard to jump over the fix and watch him fly to the moon. <laughs> oh wow. And, of course, there's also the hookah gun and the oil, sl oil slick. But we all know what they do. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, this is our most dangerous Q-time yet. Thank you for joining us for Q-time. <laughs> I miss that. Now we back to your presentation. We, we haven't had a Q-time in the last several movies. No, and, of course, this is, like, the first movie where we could have had, like, 20 Q-times. There could have been so many Q-times. Q's been in it multiple times in this movie. He makes several appearances, which I know you've talked about in trivia from the yes. previous movies, where it's, like, they didn't have him, and everyone complained they wanted him back. And ever since then, we've been seeing a lot more of him yes. in, throughout the movies, which I like. I definitely oh. like Q. I definitely like him in the movies. His character is great and fits in perfectly when it needs to be. Yes. Um, Q but is this is also necessary. Yes. Yeah, and, but this is also the first time where we're starting to see a lot of gadgets rolling out throughout the whole movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, between the watch and the ski pole mm -hmm. and the um, whatever the, uh, the the little thing the pocket, he used to pocket, yeah, the pocket projector, yeah. projector thing. Like all these things are and they're placed well throughout the movie up to now, which is good. Yeah. And even in this scene, I mean if you think about it, he didn't really even give any of these gadgets to uh bond it was just kind of like no there's stuff just going show. on in the background it's his laboratory which is which is great i mean all he does is take his film uh the film that bond had and kind of zoom in and they see a logo which mm -hmm. leads us into the next scenes of the movie yep um but we like as the movie goes on we'll still see at least another gadget or two um from q and we even see q again um so you can definitely tell that like they put him in here a lot more, but mm -hmm. still perfectly, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely agreed. Um, so as you mentioned, the, they examined the, the microfilm with Q and found a clue identifying Strong, Stromberg's laboratory, an aquatic research facility. Um, Bond and Triple X proceed to head back out onto their mission via train. Bond and Triple X part ways to their separate rooms, but Jaws attacks from Triple X's closet. Now... Before that attack, though, I kind of liked the little scene of how the two of them kind of went to their separate rooms. 
but they both kind of did the whole like going up to the door like oh do i open the door no maybe they will no like the back and forth like they both want it but they don't want the other person to know type deal like i like that little back and forth and then she goes to the closet and then hey there's a a 10 foot man just chilling (laughs) in your small closet we don't know how he got in there um Bond proceeds to hear the fight and, and pops into the room, proceeds to fight Jaws, but he is losing hard. Bond yes. is getting his ass kicked. Which I haven't seen this kind of fight since uh, from Russia with Love. Yes. <laughs> I love. We love a good train fight. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but the way Bond escapes is by electrocuting Jaws' teeth and throws him off the train. Uh, Bond proceeds to Which make Which doesn't a- phase him at all. Nope. Nope. Literally, Jaws gets up, brushes his shoulders off, and just keeps walking. Walk away. (laughs) Just keeps walking. Uh, Um, Bond makes some pun, and him and Triple X finally make sexy time. Again, great use of music. Yes, good movie. Uh, Yeah, good audio. Yes. Um, Then we cut to their arrival at a ferry where Q arrives with the new baby. The new Bond car. Mm -hmm. The Lotus, Lotus Esprit. Um, I, li- I liked it. I mean, it's a little different for the Bond cars, but I do like this one. Yes, uh, I'm a big fan of the Lotuses, and the Lotus Esprit is very nice. Um, they arrive at the hotel where Money Penny has booked them separate rooms, and Bond makes an overprotective joke about Money Penny, which I thought was adorable. Yeah, I did like that. I, mean, I thought it was pretty cool. Absolutely adorable. Uh, then we cut back to a boat arriving um, from Stromberg Laboratories to pick them up. Um, they take the boat out to Stromberg's Legion of Doom headquarters. Um, mm-hmm. Bond goes to meet with Stromberg's. He's, he's disguised as somebody, some marine biologist or something. Yeah, I, forget the I guy's can't remember name, the name. But he's disguised as somebody. Uh, Bond goes to meet with Stromberg while Triple X stays behind. Uh, Bond proceeds to admire the fish tank and happens to notice a woman's arm resting at the bottom. Yeah, <laughs> I, I did get to I, I did put that in my notes. Yes. Uh, Bond and Stromberg proceed to have a conversation back and for, back and forth. Stromberg kind of tries to trip Bond up with asking him about different fish to kind of mm-hmm. see if he's really who he says he is. Um, and Bond or Stromberg proceeds to show off his plans for his underwater city of Atlantis, saying, "You know, Stromberg's got a thing for fish and fish people. He's he's a yeah. mer he's a merman essentially. He's tired he's of this world. He wants to be recluse. He wants to have his underwater city with his special people." And just be left alone. But everyone else has to go away in order for that to happen. Um, so Bond proceeds to leave the meeting and meets back up with Triple X. While they're leaving, um, we cut to Jaws meeting with Stromberg. Mm-hmm. And, ident- who, who re- and, and Jaws reveals, allegedly reveals Bond's identity um, to him. Um, Stromberg gives something of, you know, you know, let them get back to the mainland and then kill them. Yep. Um, and I also liked that um, when Bond meets back up with X as they're getting ready to leave, uh, I forget which one starts it, but they, the, one of them kind of points to the little oh, boat the display. Yeah, the, yeah. The and they're like, the something doesn't seem right on that, mm-hmm. uh, which I think they hit on in the next next scene. Uh, next scene, I believe. When they're, they're in the car ride, I think, is when it comes up in conversation. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we cut back to the car. We, we, we cut back to Bond and Triple X back on shore in the Lotus. Mm-hmm. driving along and this is where they have that conversation about the weird stuff they saw with the with the tanker and like you know it's their new ship that that it leaves whenever 
Um, I don't remember exactly what they said, but during this chase, um, go ahead. I think, yeah, well, I, say, I don't remember exactly either, but they, pretty much they were talking about how when they looked at the uh, display um, of the little mini display dock, uh, boat, that something on the boat didn't look right. So they yeah. had, uh, I think they had Q or M or someone looking into it, um, which we'll get into details a little bit more because it's revealed why it looked differently. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit later on in the movie, uh, and also, if I'm not mistaken, in another couple of scenes, um, you'll find out the info back from when yes. they looked into it. But um, yeah, I like how this scene starts. And remember, this is around the time where I had to stop and go back and rewatch the movie, yeah. or the later half of the movie. Um, so this is actually where I started rewatching it from, and I, <laughs> I enjoy this scene. Although there is a lot that's about to happen. Yes. And very, um, very quickly. This scene, unlike the previous Roger Moore movies, this scene does not go on long. This is the perfect no. length. This this is, yes, yes. I really enjoyed this. Um, and not because I watched it twice. But <laughs> I liked the pace. There was a lot thrown in. But in a very short time. But didn't feel rushed. Yes. It was it was nice and like free mm-hmm. flow all the way through, which I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also get like multiple chasings in one. Yes. So we'll start with the first one. You know, with them having after they have their conversation in the car, driving along the roads on the mainland, minding their own business, a motorcycle with a sidecar begins to follow them. They notice this and they start weaving in and out cars. The motorcycle launches launches its sidecar like a rocket. <laughs> yes. And blows up a trunk of truck in front of it, which launches the biker off the cliff. Um, at this point, another car joins love, in the pursuit. I will say though, this was one of the few times I wrote down Bond's little little quirks that he says as mm-hmm. he goes through, um, because the truck that he blew up the second. Because it was a dual trailer, like it was the tractor trailer, the first mm-hmm. t- truck, and then second one, must have had I don't know if it was actual chickens or what, but yeah. feathers were everywhere. Yeah. And when the guy got ran off the road because the truck blew up in front of him, he was covered in feathers. Yes. And Bond even says, with all those feathers, he still couldn't fly. Yep. And I just I don't know why, but I thought that was hysterical. <laughs> I, I was laughing so hard at that scene. The Bond like, quips. Great. The Bond quips are good in this movie, man. Yes. Yeah. They, uh-huh. they weren't overplayed at all. Um, but after motor, Motorcycle Man fails to learn to fly, uh, another car joins the pursuit with Jaws in the passenger seat. Um, to get rid of this one, this is this. They're not chasing him for very long because Bond nearly immediately releases the mud spray, mud spray, blinding the pursuing car as it drives off, drives off the cliff. Because he got um, Q's uh, special. Yes, yes. Um, the car drives off the cliff and lands directly in an Italian home. Ladies and gentlemen, this home. This small Italian villa was owned by none other than Frank himself. Frank! Poor Frank was just sitting on the porch, minding his own business. If we remember from the last movie, he wrecked his car on vacation in Thailand or China or wherever they were. Into some food stands while going to get groceries. So he's... He's, he left his vacation behind. He got over that. He went back to his retirement home in Italy. Wife and kids long gone, just trying to build himself a new life. 
He's got a nice little villa. He's got a nice little suite, whatever the Italian world word is for girlfriend back in, you know, back in, back in town. He has plans to go take her out and have a wonderful evening that night and maybe come back to his place for a little sexy time. Who knows? But his plans are instantly ruined when James Bond again, again, ruins this man's day and his life by running a car off the road directly into his home. So I ask you, ladies and gentlemen, is there justice in this world for the terrorist that is James Bond? Is there justice? <laughs> Hashtag justice for Frank. Let us know. <laughs> on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Hoodoo Presents. Hashtag Justice for Frank. <laughs> oh, if you are, if you like us, are on Frank's side in this. <laughs> wow. So that is the story of poor Frank, the I, I former henchman. Frank. Not even a henchman anymore. He's just retired. He's just trying to live his life. He hasn't been a, not suited. He hasn't he really been a doesn't. henchman in three movies. <laughs> and, he, <laughs> and, he, and he continues to be fucked with. <laughs> it was only two, but it was three. Either way, I don't know. Uh, poor Frank. I mean, the, the thing was, you know, he went on vacation to escape the life, and that didn't work. So he tried to, you know, once again, move to a new area. He had his little bit of saving saved up, and he got himself a nice little place. Nope. Bond had to throw a car through it. This poor bastard. This poor man. I, you know what? I, I just I feel bad for Brent, Frank so much. At the end uh, of this review, depending on what else happens to this man over the review, we need just need to set up like a Frank GoFundMe. Like <laughs> Frank GoFundMe. Like, like save, <laughs> save Frank. <laughs> I feel. This. <laughs> I feel like Frank's gonna have a comeback as the movies go on. Yes. I'm hoping. I'm hoping for Frank. <laughs> Um, I, I, you know, and I, I, it kind of broke my heart when he started mumbling something as, yes. you know, staring at his house <clears throat> and lo and behold, who comes through the front door? Jaws, Jaws walks right through the front door, surviving <laughs> yeah. the crash. And what does he do yet again? <laughs> Just brushes off his, brushes like he's his wearing shoulders like a suit off and, and keeps stuff, walking. He? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a nice, and he just kind of looks at him. And meanwhile, Frank's just staring at him, like, mm-hmm. "What? Why did you just ruin my house?" And Joss is like, "Mother me, yeah, don't stare at me like that." And just keeps <laughs> on going. Um, after Joss survives, we cut back to the chase where now there's a helicopter shooting at them, and I love that the helicopter's just there. Like we cut back and they're already in a chase sequence with <laughs> the helicopter. Yes. I love that. I loved it so much. That's part of why the pacing of this scene is so good. Helicopter's already shooting shooting at him. Um, Bond proceeds to, you know, helicopter chase goes back and forth for a minute and Bond just drives the car straight into the water. And this is where we reveal the first time, I think, where the Bond car is like a Bond car. Every other time it's just a car, right? Other than like the oil slick um, and whatnot. Well, I mean, it's had its gadgets because in... um I forget which movie we started with, but uh, the Bond cars have had their little gadgets throughout yes. the movie. This is the first time where it's been like yeah. a we've big had, yeah. deal. We've never had yes. a car become a Transformer before. No, no. This is probably the first then. But yes. I mean, as far as gadgets, gadgets have been in the Bond cars 
throughout the yeah. movies. I think that when Sean Connery first got the Aston Martin, uh, he had all kinds of yeah. like, gadgets and stuff in that, and injector seats and all that yeah. stuff. Um, so we have seen Bond cars as far as the gadgets go, but this is the first time we've seen a mm-hmm. full-on transforming Bond car. Yes. And the Bond car, he drives it into the water, and it proceeds to transform into a submarine. Awesome scene. Bond proceeds to say some comment about getting rid of the pursuer, some funny quip, and launches a torpedo, taking out the helicopter. Yes. Um, then we cut to a beautiful shot, so beautiful underwater, underwater, underwater shots, mm-hmm. music that fits beautifully as they travel back to Stromberg's base to get a better look at it. Um, once, as, literally as soon as they get back to Strom, Stromberg's base, they're discovered immediately, and scuba men attack. Um, <laughs> yeah, scuba men attack, and then we have a sub chase. They have their own submarine that proceeds to chase down Bond's Lotus sub. Triple X hits a button on the dash and uses a smoke screen underwater to hide their location and drop a mine, taking out the pursuing sub. Um, during this during this whole chase, Bond's Lotus seems to have sprung a leak, so they're trying to rush back to shore before the car fills up with water. They drive back into shore in front of some. Wonderful Italian tourists who are incredibly surprised and one very scared dog. <laughs> I remember that dog running away. They immediately thought of the story of the cat. Yes. That dog was very unamused with the car coming out of the water. <laughs> Can't really blame him. Not going to lie. If I was on the beach and a car came out of the water, I might run too. Just saying. <laughs> now, so let's just sum this up real quick. We had a ski chase in the very beginning of the movie. Yes. But that wasn't good enough. So we had to have a bike car helicopter sub chase yes all in one yes yeah and we're not done yet and i and i love <laughs> i love how when she uses that ink spray because i know there was a lot going on in this underwater battle yes. where they were just running over divers and things were exploding and she hits buttons and he's like how'd you know that, that was there and she's like oh because i stole the plans from you like two years ago yep like yep. I love that back and forth still going on between the two of them. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's Triple X definitely holds her own, man. Um, but from that from the driving on shore scene, we cut back to the hotel where Bond receives a letter with new information about the mission, and it is revealed that Bond was the one to kill Triple X's boyfriend. Yes. She is now, very displeased at this and says that she will eventually kill Bond when this mission is completed. Um. Uh, the information they got, which is a tie back into their conversation when they were in the car before the, the chase scene, was that the the boats, I guess, essentially that they uh, were questioning that looks funny and all that, uh, hasn't been into port in like nine months yeah. since it went out. There's like no record of it showing up in any port yeah. anywhere. Like it's never docked at all, yeah. which they thought was kind of odd. Yeah. So they go to investigate it. Um, they are dropped off on an American sub, and the sub tracks Stromberg's barge. And all of a sudden, much like the intro scene, the sub begins to shake. It rises to the surface, goes through the periscope, and what do we see but the barge opening its opening the front of its ship yet again, like Audrey II, from Little Shop of Horrors. For those of you who remember, you only live twice. Throwback. Um... <laughs> Um, and the and the barge eats the sub just like before in a in a scene akin to the world's slowest Pac-Man game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the scene, the ship is like forever away, and it's just like walk up. Because I forget they walk they never really <laughs> walk. <up. laughs> 
That's a they little really... Pac-Man. What do you want from me, Jordan? <laughs> <laughs> no, that was great. So I totally lost my train of thought there. Um, they never really say what they do to the subs, if I'm not mistaken, because essentially they kind of paralyze the subs because all their systems starts failing, the electricity goes yeah, out. Yeah, no, or they never they never specify, and the they pretty much on. have to surface. So it's not like the sub can outrun this yeah. really slow boat that's eating them up. They basically it's, EMP it. Um, I mean, is essentially I what guess, it is. But they never specify. And you know what? I didn't need it. Like no, I didn't need it either. Yeah. But I mean, just to, to kind of amplify to those who didn't watch the movie and were trying to figure out why this you know sub could not outrun a really really slow boat is because essentially the sub was handicapped. Yes, um, it was disabled somehow that was never fully explained with their tracking system or whatever they did to these subs, and therefore the sub was just kind of floating in dead water. Yes, um, and. I know I've mentioned this in the previous movies where I've never really seen the other Bond movies up to this point. Um, this, from like here on to the end of the movie, is one that I've recall mm-hmm. watching on TV multiple times over the years. Yeah, well, um, I'll get which to is it in funny. trivia. I'll, I'll get into get to it in trivia, but this these next couple scenes will come back in in, in further movies that I'll, that I've seen before, um, or. Which might be why I've seen. You know, I remember these scenes yeah. versus the rest of the movie. Yeah. Um, but anyway, upon the sub being captured, the crew leaves the captured vessel on threat of being gassed out. Uh, Stromberg, Stromberg has his own crew boarding the Russian and British subs, which are also present in here, and loading on the nukes. Uh, Bond and X are captured and taken to Stromberg. Stromberg plans to nuke New York City and Moscow, creating World War III while he creates his new society under the sea. <laughs> Darling, it's better down where it's wetter. Take it from me. Um, <laughs> the, the, just, just, just see the crab going. The two subs pull out and begin heading to their respective launch points. Bond is then taken to prison while Triple X is taken with Stromberg. Um, Stromberg and Triple X go back to Atlantis. His which his um, uh, Legion of Doom headquarters. Which, by the <laughs> way. Was the coolest and like most overkilled exit scene that they could do when they oh, so left. But like they get into that little tram, the, like the little train y- chain. Yet again, around. the Epcot ride. Yeah, exactly. They love flashback. Epcot rides. This is flashback to the, uh, which movie was that? Uh, you Only Live Twice. Space. Yeah, Only Live Twice, yes. <laughs> Until the point where the thing just take, keeps going and shoots out the side of this boat and just blows apart At into, like, like a speedboat. Yes. <laughs> yes. And just takes off. You could tell, like, they were holding it on for dear life. This is worse than a roller coaster ride. Yes. I mean, they're just launched out of it. And I'm like, at what point did they come up with this, like, little, like, uh, two-mile-per-hour speed tram just kind of going through mm-hmm. this uh, area inside the boat, and then whoosh, we're going to torpedo <laughs> you out into, like like you said, Mach 12, full speed ahead. You'll be there in, like, five <laughs> minutes. It doesn't matter if you're on the other side of the world. We'll get you there. I mean, they flew out of there. Blew out of like, there like a wow, like a rocket. overkill. Uh-huh. It's overkill for a departure, but I like it. Meanwhile, not going at Mach 12, Bond <laughs> yeah. proceeds to escape while being taken to the prison and hijacks his own Epcot ride. Um, but he proce- <laughs> Which does not go that fast. Doesn't go nearly as fast. But he goes around freeing the prisoners from the other sub crews, and a gunfight ensues with three different na- nations fighting together as one. How Again, sweet. Flashback. World peace can exist. <laughs> 
as long only as the movies. As long as only as long as three of the most powerful nations are all on the same side. <laughs> now, there's only one thing I had um, about this gunfight pursuing that just blew my mind. They must have had a sail on grenades somewhere. They were everywhere. All over the place. Everywhere. Everybody had like pockets full of grenades. They were just going off yeah, left Well, you get right. a discount if you buy them in bulk. So uh, yeah. I guess. I mean, there were scenes where they were playing hot potato with them and they were like tossing them around. I mean, like, who, who does this? Mm-hmm. I mean, they must have had cases of them and just started handing them out like candy on Halloween. Mm-hmm. So we basically have these three these three crews from the ship, you know, trying to take you know take over, but they still can't break into the main command room. It's put itself on lockdown. Bond and friends begin to take apart one of the nuclear missile missiles to retrieve the detonator. Which um, I love the transition. Of that. <laughs> very like, cool scene where it's like magnetized, so they have to like keep it from touching. If it touches the edges, yes, they all go yeah, boom. Um, leading up to that was also what I was referring to, but that scene in itself was good. Like yeah. I liked how mm-hmm. they're like, well, "What are we gonna do?" And Bond's like. I need a nuke. And they're like, what? <laughs> and then the next thing you know, Bond's like, no, I'm going to take apart this nuke. We're not going to use yeah, it. Yeah. We're going to use parts of it. Uh, but no, I did actually enjoy that scene. And I liked how it kind of showed Bond at a weaker point where it's kind of like he knows roughly what he's doing. Whether he's an expert or not, it's a different story. And mm-hmm. meanwhile, the other people who seem to know more about it were like, yeah, we're going to let him go because he's in charge. But if he does this correctly, he's good. If yeah. he doesn't, we're, we're all screwed. We're dead. <laughs> but at that point, they're pretty much dead anyway. So well, true. Yeah. Why not? So, um, the man, we, meanwhile, the man in the command room reports back to Stromberg. Stromberg does succeed getting his det- detonator and proceeds to ride the epic golden camera orb that just goes up and down the middle of this these, yeah. this bay for some reason. What he what he called he called it candy camera, I think. In the, Something um, like that. Yeah, yeah. You're on candy camera. Yeah. Um, Bond rides this thing. Go, you know, rides this thing to the command room, uh, sets the detonator, blows up the blast doors, cuts their camera footage, which activates the bomb. Everything goes boom. And I love this scene because we talked about this uh, pre-recording. This scene was really cool because as Bond, you know, is climbing up and gets on um, the camera and rises in, you have the, the bond music playing like the, dun, 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 dun. like dun, it's just dun, nice dun, and dun, slow dun, pace. Dun, dun, and it's like quiet. It's like fading in. Yeah. Right. It's, it's perfect. And he's riding this thing and he gets all the way to the door that's getting blown up. And then you, uh, and you're like, the guys are going back and forth and watching the cameras. It gets all the way there. And next thing you know, like you're on cameras and everything. And bond just pulls the plug to the camera and then everything cuts. The audio cuts, the cameras cut out Bond just disappears, and then it's like, what just happened? Like, mm-hmm. uh, And then it's like, in the control room, it's like, hey, something happened to the cameras. Like, what's going on? And I <laughs> love how Bond sets a timer, disconnects, and starts rolling backwards because they hit the button for it to go back. Yep. And then they start hitting buttons to try and get the camera back on, and it stops and starts putting Bond back towards the bomb. Uh, and then it stops and so it keeps moving him away. And he's like, oh, okay, that was close. <laughs> Uh, and then the door blows up. But like, I love that little scene. It yeah, was like it was really well cool. Done. The tension was the tension was well paced in that scene too. Um, it was just tense enough, but also, I mean, you know, it's Bond, so you know he's not going to die. But there was there was those tense moments um, when the doors blow up and they storm the command room, and Bond attempts to reprogram the subs. They discover well, they can't they can't stop the subs. What they can do is change their targets. So they reprogram the subs to fire on each other. 
it is successful. The, we cut to the subs who were, re, received the new coordinates for their launch, and they proceed to nuke each other, um, which really, really cool. Um, mm-hmm. Throughout all the damage, the barge itself begins to explode, and crews hop into the last remaining U.S. sub that was captured and try to escape. That sub, and I love this too, because you know you get three three submarine crews trying to occupy the space of one sub, mm-hmm. and you could tell there was a lot of people in that submarine. Yeah, yeah, I like, liked how they didn't play that off like, oh, they're just somewhere else in the sub that you can't see. No, like they actually no. put people bumping into each oh, yeah. other. People were shoulder to shoulder, and you had yeah. like American and British and, and 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 Russian crews all working together. Like everyone yeah. had their own different different stations, and whatnot. Yeah, Very well I, done. I, and I, I even liked how they kind of worked together in that scene, too, because there was a couple times where they, they were going through, like, come on, guys, we need to do this, we need to do that. And it's like they're bumping yes. into each other, but yes. they're also trying to help. Like, hey, I know how to mm-hmm. do that. It might not be myself, but I'll figure it out. We're good. Yep. Um, the sub proceeds to torpedo its way out of the barge and escapes before the barge explodes. <laughs> Which just happens to be the perfect shape of the top of the sub. Yes. You notice that? Absolutely. Yeah, where like the little, the little fins go that just happen to be the perfect explosion. Like, That's hmm. right. <laughs> almost like it's those, a movie. Uh, yeah, almost <laughs> like it's a movie. These must be those special submarine-shaped torpedoes. Yeah. Uh, then we cut to the we cut to the American captain who gets orders from the Pentagon to just, to destroy Atlantis, the Legion of Doom headquarters. Bond requests one hour to rescue Triple X before the attack. Bond is brought a goodie bag that was left on the sub for him in the form from Q from Q. In the form of a miniature jet ski by the name of Wet Nelly. <laughs> I love it. A reference to I the miniature helicopter just... from You Only Live Twice. Yes. And I love how like Bond's just pulling stuff out of his duffel bag. Like, oh, I got it, no problem. And he's like pulling out handlebars and stuff like yep, that. And yep. then you proceed to the next scene where he's just kind of cru- cruising on this jet ski. This is like gadget, I don't know, we're like 20-something now. I've I lost know. track we're of there, him in this man. movie. Um, but um, while after the jet ski skiing scene, Bond arrives at... Atlantis, but Stromberg was awaiting his arrival um, and sends the elevator down for Bond. Tries to drop Bond into the shark tank, but he's watching the monitor and Bond doesn't go into the shark tank. Bond is too smart for that. When the elevator opens up, Bond has straddled the hole and was like, nope, we're good. They proceed Mm -hmm. to have a villain monologue back and forth for a moment and Bond sits down at the table opposite Stromberg. Stromberg attempts to shoot Bond from underneath the table, but Bond dodges and returns fire, killing Stromberg. Bond runs off to find, and I like this scene because it wasn't like a boss fight. We get the fight in a minute, but yeah, like, I, I did like this. Yeah, I thought it for was being really the big good. bad, it's gone. It's done really quickly. It's like yeah, right, just. But I liked it. it yeah, if, if it would have yeah. went any longer, it would have been overplayed. Like it was perfect because it's kind of yeah. like. Hey, here's your matchup. Even though he was the big bad, he wasn't the, um, he wasn't that hard boss. No, like no, he, his he, his job was to stop him, <clears throat> but he and then he wasn't invincible essentially. Yes. Yeah. Um, Unlike the next gentleman we get to. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> um, but Bond shoots Stromberg dead, um, and then runs off to find Triple X and comes across Jobs. Wasn't say which seems to be in a scene from Star Wars. Apparently, yes. Some of some of these tunnels, I like. I was flashing to Star Wars. I'm like, hmm. I feel like they were on the wrong set that day. Bond straight up shoots Jaws in the mouth, and it does absolutely nothing. (laughs) Yeah, 
<laughs> Nothing at all. Um, Jaws proceeds to get the other hand, the upper hand, and we have a final fight back and forth with him uh, in the Shark Tank room. Uh, Bond proceeds to turn on a giant magnet that is hanging above Jaws and catches Jaws by the face. Yes. Like, not by the head. Like, literally his jaws, ironically enough, are attached to the magnet. Bond proceeds to dangle him over the shark tank like a weird game of... Weird claw game. Um, and drops him in the shark tank. And runs... Bond proceeds to run away to rescue Triple X. Jaws, however, is not having this. He wrestles and fights with the shark until we see blood coming away. And Jaws just straight up kills the shark via biting it. Like... Yeah. Like... Jaws ate Jaws. Jaws, yeah. Jaws ate Jaws. Literally. Um, Bond fights Triple X as the sub attacks Atlantis. Atlantis is sinking and Bond and Triple X attempt to escape. They find a super duper... In my notes, I specify super duper luxury escape pod. I mean, this is the kind of escape pod. It's got a water bed. It's got fluffy pillows. You've got a champagne bar next to you. You've got all, all the amenities. You've got curtains. If it gets too bright, the sun's coming in. It's all good. Yeah, this thing was pretty sweet. I mean, Super duper luxury escape pod. I, I wouldn't mind having one. Mm-hmm. So they hop in the super duper luxury escape pod, patent pending, and Triple X pulls a gun <laughs> on Bond. Which happened to be his gun that he <clears throat> dropped. Yes. Which I thought was great. Yes. Saying that she is fulfilling the promise to kill him. But in classic Bond fashion, he kind of seduces her and it's all okay. Yeah, because he gets that um, last wish. Yes, absolutely. Um, we cut to Jaws who surfaces now, and is swimming off into the distance in the middle of the ocean. Um, the other thing I thought was really cool, uh, in that gun scene before Bond seduces her is that she has the gun and he has the bottle of champagne. And while he, you know, like you hear the, the bang, yeah, but it's the champagne. It's the cork and, uh, <laughs> yeah. Which I love yeah. because if you look at Bond's face, he's kind of like, he's kind of frightened at first. Yeah. Cause he's like, uh, this is how I go. <laughs> and then like the champagne's running down his hand and all, and then it kind of like calms down. So yeah. it's like a good transition. But I love that scene, um, with all that. And it was um, a great switch of tension, switching to humor. Yes. One yes. And in, it was one perfectly in the done. span of three perfectly seconds. Done. It was tension switching to humor. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah, well done, well done. Yeah, it worked pretty uh, yeah. well. And then, like you said, Jaws is just kind of swimming away. Like, wh- why? We don't know. Jaws escapes. Jaws Although escapes. I do feel he can swim faster than he can uh, run or walk. Apparently. He absolutely can. <laughs> well, I'll give him that. He is named Jaws, so he's basically Shark Man. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Um, um, and but, I like how <clears throat> this movie comes up to a wrap. Like, when it goes back to them in the escape pod. Mm-hmm. And they're doing the whole, like, sexy time and all that. And she's like, well, what will our superiors think? And Bond's like, they'll never know. Yeah. And then it, like, literally cuts to the pod just kind of cruising up yep. <laughs> against the ship with all of them with staying MQ, there. With MQ, the Russian general, all recovering Everybody. the pod. And they and they see Bond and Triple X making whoopee. And I yes. quote the last lines of the film. Oh, when the uh, minister asked Bond yeah. what he's doing. M, Bond, what are you doing? Bond. Keeping the British end up, sir. <laughs> yeah. And then yes. Then cuts to credits. Cut to credits as the curtain of the of, of the of the pod drops. 
beautiful. Um, beautiful. I mean, that's it. I mean, that's when the credits start rolling. And uh, I like... Now, if I'm not mistaken, because I don't really pay attention to the end credits that well, but uh, this is the first time that they've kind of stayed on scene a little bit, right? Because most of the time the credits just kind of roll and that's it. But this one, they kind of like hover around the boat and kind of watch the boat cruise around while the credits were going. for a lot longer. Like past movies have, yeah. have stayed on scene, but they cut to black credits pretty quickly. This one yeah, it's stayed not long. on for a lot longer. Yeah, because yeah, it was like the, the ship was kind of cruising around and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, <clears throat> I know you're going to correct me when I say this because we this is one of the things we talked about in pre-show. Um, one of the things they put in the credits, which I always refer to, is that James Bond will return yes. in the next movie. However, uh, and I know you're going to get to this here in the next minute when we get into trivia, the movie that is in the credits says that Bond will return in For Your Eyes Only. Yes. However, that is not actually going to be the next movie in no. review or the next movie that we watch. No. For um, reasons that we'll get to here uh, in the next minute because that is the movie that is um the end the credits and essentially one of the really really good movies that we've yeah. seen so far yeah in the spy who loved me uh so with that i'll let you take it away eric with good old trivia time <gasps> it's trivia 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 time did it So, we'll kick off trivia time with the closing credits, saying James Bond will return in For Your Eyes Only. But, because of the success of Star Wars A New Hope in 1977, came out the same year this movie did, and Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Moonraker was changed, Moonraker, releasing in 1979, was chosen to come after this movie instead, instead, to capitalize on the the space, <clears throat> uh, the 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 space phenomenon and cultural phenomenon that was going on at that time with the two great sci-fi movies. So, despite for your eyes only being in the credits, Moonraker is actually the next movie um, <clears throat> in the James Bond franchise. Which I was confused when I went to grab uh, the DVD case and I was looking. I was like, "That's not what the credits just told me." <laughs> yes. Yes. Um. Also, next trivia piece, a representative from the Egyptian government was on set throughout the shoot in Cairo and Giza to make sure that the country was not portrayed in an unflattering light. For that reason, when the scaffolding falls on Jaws, Bond quips in the movie, Egyptian builders, as kind of like a fun nod. Sir Mm. Roger Moore merely mouthed this line on set. They did not want to insult the Egyptian representative that was there and dubbed it in later. It went unnoticed by the Egyptian, you know, the Egyptian representative and ironically got a great laugh from Egyptian audiences at the premiere in Egypt. So they thought they were (laughs) worried that it would be offensive, but it ended up being really, really funny. That's actually kind of cool. You may remember this fact from On Her Majesty's Secret Service, but I'll relay it again. The famous Union Jack parachute ski jump stunt. On, during the pre-title sequence, was originally suggested by George Lazenby on Her Majesty on the on, to be used in on Her Majesty's Secret Service, but the necessary equipment to film it was not available then. But the producers enjoyed the idea, so it was later added to this movie. That's <clears> kind of cool. Yep. Um, as been noted with that scene's climax, James Bond's from this movie on, James Bond's status with the people of Britain changed from simply a popular character. 
um, to being a British hero on par with the likes of King Arthur, Robin Hood, and Sherlock Holmes. So mm. this movie established Bond as a British hero. Um, after this movie's release, de- demand for the White Lotus Esprit cars surged to the point that new customers were placed on a three-year waiting list. Wow. Yes. So Lotus made some money off this movie. Um, in the scene where Major Asimov, Agent Triple X, couldn't drive a stick in the van, Barbara Bach actually couldn't drive a stick. All of Sir Roger Moore's responses were entirely unscripted. <laughs> That's actually kind of cool. All of his jokes and quips were Because that was a good scene. Yes. Yes. The title song, Nobody Does It Better, was sung by Carly Simon and music by Marvin Hamlish. The lyrics by Carol Bayer Sager. This is the first Bond theme song to be titled differently than the name of the movie. Um, although the phrase, The Spy Who Loved Me, is included in the lyrics. I really like this song. It was a good song. I really like this song. This is the first Bond movie to make significant references to Bond's past, including his recruitment of the British Secret Service from the Royal Navy, his many lady friends, and his marriage to Tracy on Her Majesty's Secret Service. I mentioned that earlier in the episode. Let's see. One of the first directors to be considered to direct this movie was Steven Spielberg. There was some worry, however, about his inexperience, and he was caught up on an extremely lengthy pre-production schedule for a little movie he was making at the time called Jaws in 1975, <laughs> which provided inspiration for the, the character in the movie by the same name. That is pretty cool. The metal teeth worn by Jaws are on display at the Spy Museum in Washington, D.C. Hmm. I did the, not know that. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, you might want to tag into uh, this one real quick, Jordan, since you brought this to my attention. But the Lotus Esprit car capable of transforming into submarine in the mo- into a submarine in the, in the movie was purchased for 616,000 pounds sterling at a London auction in 2013 by Elon Musk, who plans to yes. rebuild the vehicle in an attempt to make the fictional dual-purpose car an actual dual-purpose car. Which was actually kind of cool because uh, when I came across that article, I think like a movie or two ago, so it was like within the last few weeks, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and I knew it was coming up in this movie, I thought it was kind of neat because I, I wanted to throw it your way so you can keep an eye on it for a trivia. When I read that article, the thing I thought was really neat is the before it got to Elon Musk, uh, a couple bought it at an auction. What it was is the, and it wasn't the actual car uh, from the movie, it was the sub that did the underwater scenes mm-hmm. in the movie. Uh, the car was fitted to be a sub, and it was actually a working sub, but yeah. it was not a working vehicle. Uh, what happened when they were done shooting is they put it in like a storage locker, and it was forgotten about until they did the storage locker auctions, and this couple you know, bought the, uh, the locker, opened it up like, oh, cool, had no clue what it was. Yeah. And it wasn't until they had it on a trailer and was like, riding home or doing something they were transported and someone kind of saw it and like wow that's the james bond car that is awesome and the couple's <laughs> like i we don't know what that is we've never seen any james bond movies james like we don't who? know what you're talking about <laughs> and so they went and then watched the movie afterwards and realized that that was the actual car it was literally yeah. the the sub because i think there was only three vehicles yeah, for the like movie that, yeah and this was one of them that was fully converted into the sub. So it was is it actually working sub. Like it actually worked as a sub. Um, and I think 
there was some talk about um, the actual diver who actually used it underwater. Yeah. yeah. Um, Because I think he actually had like the oxygen tanks and all that stuff when he was using it underwater. So it actually works as a submarine. Uh, And I think they kind of restored it some, but then, yeah, the way you said it, it went to to another auction. um, It was a silent bid or anonymous purchase. And it wasn't until later on that you found out that Elon Musk was the one who yes. purchased the vehicle yes. from them with hopes of restoring it back to the actual original Bond car. Who, as um, I told Jordan when he shared this article with me, with me, is now Elon Musk is one bad day away from being a Bond villain. And now he has his own Bond car. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> it will be the next anti-Bond. <laughs> um, next piece of trivia. Um, this is the first Bond movie to use an original villain, not one based on a villain from the books. So Stromberg and Jaws do not exist in the books. This is the first first movie to do a unique villain. Which still holds some weight because they were some really good villains. Yes, yes. Um, this movie received three Academy Award nominations, the most ever received by a James Bond movie until Skyfall in 2012. These were for Best Art Direction and Set Decoration, Best Score, highly agree with that, Best Song, also agree, um, Mm -hmm. and it was the first Bond movie to receive multiple Oscar nominations. Well well worth it. Last piece of trivia, which if you remember, you may recognize the scenes from the, you know, in the boat with all the people fighting. Yes, you were talking about that. Plot elements from this movie were reused in in uh, Pierce Brosnan's Tomorrow Never Dies in 1997. And that movie, James Bond is assigned to investigate an incident concerning the British frigate. He and a beautiful Chinese spy discover the media mogul Elliot Carver's behind it, set out to prevent Carver from using a stolen missile, <laughs> triggering a, sk- a war between England and China. It's like there's a pattern here. Yes, yes. So Tomorrow <laughs> Never Dies is essentially a remake of, 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 of this movie, which this movie is kind of a remake of You Only Live Twice because it's similar, similar plot with that one as well. Yeah. Um, but this movie was done incredibly well. Yes, um, it was. But that's it for trivia time. That's what I got. So the other thing I like, um, before we carry over into our ratings and we do our <clears throat> overall um, thoughts on this movie... I liked how this movie tied into several Bond movies with still pulling, um, like you said, its own new characters and like a new style. Its own style, yeah. Uh, yes, but like it still had tie-ins to watch this movie. I saw flashbacks to From Russia with Love, uh, You Only Live Twice, yes. um, a lot of the Bond movies. And it, it doesn't feel like a rebooted movie. No, it still feels like its own movie, which I loved. I, I definitely enjoyed it, um, and I knew at first I wasn't going to give it as high as a rating as it should have got because, like I said, I, unfortunately when I was watching it, I had to stop halfway and rewatch it, which kind of took away from some of the feel of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but going through this review, going you know going back over the, some of the stuff, it's definitely a lot higher um, on that list uh, because of all that stuff. The the flashbacks with the um, I keep saying flashbacks because that's what I think of with the the different style the villains I really love the villains um, mm-hmm. I love the even though it's Roger Moore in a different bomb that he's been all the way up I love the the scene where they're at the bar and she's ordering him his classic Bond drink and yeah. talking about his history and just bringing in that whole tie in 
from the previous like Sean Connery movies and even Lazenby's movie. Mm-hmm. Really love that. Um, and then I also like the dynamic duo between X and Bond throughout the movie. The, the one up in each other, the competition, the flirting, like all of it uh, was really well done in this movie. The cue and the gadgets uh, overall. Yeah. Great movie. Definitely high up on the list. Yeah. And we talked about that before. Yeah, I, I definitely agree, mm-hmm. man. To, I mean, just to kind of mimic what you said. I mean, the big thing for me is the pacing of this movie was so well done. There was no scene that went on too long. Every scene flowed very well from one to another. Jaws being a wonderful henchman. You know, Stromberg, to me, and I told you this before we started recording, Stromberg, to me, is the weakest part. And and it's yes. not that he's bad. He's not bad at all. No. Uh, he would just be the weakest part of an overall phenomenal movie. You know, it and, was, it and was so then, much fun to watch. Like, I had so much fun watching this movie. Yep. And, and even then, because um, I had agreed with you at the beginning um, when we first started recording before, like, our intro and all uh, about Stronger being, like, the weakest link and him not being the greatest villain but still a good villain. I changed my opinion on that when we started doing the review and we started bringing up his little things. I mean, he was very menacing villain. Mm -hmm. He was the weakest link of the movie, but even then it was not enough to make him a bad villain. He was still a good villain. And like, and I still agree with, um, what we talked about prior to recording as far as our thoughts on the villains and and, uh, the movie and all that. Mm -hmm. But I started to realize that my personal opinion of him was starting to go up higher to where we agreed upon earlier. Yeah. Um, and then, like I said, he, he comes off as not the greatest villain, but when you dive into it, he really was a good villain. Um, I would still put Jaws above him, even though he wasn't <laughs> the villain, he was the henchman. Jaws is great, but man. Jaws was awesome in this movie. Well, before we get too deep into the villains, let's go ahead and rank, let's go ahead and rank this movie. Okay. So, as a, at the list as of now is number one from Russia with Love, number two you only live twice, number three Thunderball, number four on Her Majesty's Secret Service, number five Goldfinger, number six Doctor No, number seven The Man with the Golden Gun, and number eight number eight Live and Let Die, number nine Diamonds Are Forever. So where do we put the Spy Who Loved Me? Number ten. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. <laughs> no, no. Um, great movie. Uh, we had talked about this briefly earlier, and I guess we'll we'll dive back into it real quick now. We agreed somewhere between like was it three, four? Like we, yeah, we definitely said it it's, was. It's better than Thunderball. the The question is, um, I, I I'm is, happy with a three. Yeah, I mean because. As much as I enjoyed this movie, there is aspects from From Russia with Love was number two, right? From Russia with uh, Love is number one. Number two number is You one. Only Live Twice. You Only Live Twice. Yeah. Okay. So there was things I liked about um, You Only Live Twice and there, uh, that I, I think had a different mm-hmm. feel as an overall Bond movie than this one. This one's definitely more the action, gadget-filled type Bond. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the You Only Live Twice was more of the the secret agent bond Um, and just all around, even with the gadgets and all that, it was a different story plot. Like it just Mm -hmm. overall, I think has a little bit more weight to the movie as far as our bond ranking goes. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with you, man. And and I think like if, if, if I was doing my personal list, the spy whom loved me might be, might, I mean, I can't even be for certain, but might be above you only live twice just because I, 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 I had more fun with it. 
Yes. But at the, thing, at the end of the day, I think movie. You Only Live Twice still is a better movie. Um, yeah. So I'm with you, man. Number three is cool with me. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd agree with you. It's it's definitely a more enjoyable movie, uh, more entertaining. <clears throat> but as far as our Bond ranking, mm-hmm. as far as the overall feel to it, I think that one's got more of a Bond feel yeah. um, than it does the uh, the uh, this movie. So, so the I ranking you, that one. is as follows. Number one, From Russia With Love. Number two, You Only Live Twice. Number three, The Spy Who Loved Me. Number four, Thunderball. Number five, On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Number six, Goldfinger. Number seven, Dr. No. Number eight, The Man with the Golden Gun. Number nine, Live and Let Die. Number ten, Diamonds Are Forever. Ten. Ten out of twenty-five. We're getting there. We're getting there. So now the villain's good, sir. Now let's kick over to the villain. So currently we have at number one, Goldfinger and Oddjob, classic duo. Uh, number two is still number two from Thunderball. Yep. Uh, number three is the Spectre General in Red from from Russia with Love. Uh, number four is number one, aka Blowfield from or the head of Spectre from You Only Live Twice. Uh, then you have Scaramanga and Nick Knack from uh, The Man with the Golden Gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kanaga, Claw, and Baron from Live and Let Die. Dr. No, obviously from Dr. No with seven. Eight is Blowfield with Wit and Kid from Diamonds Are Forever. And then nine is Blowfield from One Her Majesty's Secret Service. Yes. So. So where are we putting Stromberg and Stromberg and Jaws? Or really just Jaws. Where are we putting Jaws at? Uh, so Stromberg and Jaws, we talked about briefly earlier. Again, uh, great combo, great duo. You don't really see much of the two of them together, but it doesn't matter. Uh, because... When Stromberg's not there doing his mysterious villain thing that I give him credit for, he's still by himself a, a decent villain, uh, enough to hold his own on this list in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jaws pretty much takes up all the other slack, though. Jaws, makes I mean, it he, for me, man. Him, him he alone. is awesome. Yeah. yeah, he is awesome in this movie. So I, I feel like that combo is definitely up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know we had talked about where we would put him. I definitely think he's in the top three i looking at number three i love red as the anti-bond and i've said this in all the other reviews however i do feel that jaws and uh strongberg take they are better take the lead on on that from them uh i can easily tie them with number two just because i felt number two was a good overall villain like number two by himself can hold that top three ranking in combo note um combo villains i mean so far in the, in the top yeah. what five well really the top five blowfield from head of specter or i'm sorry from you only live twice and number two are the only ones in, like in the top five that are solo villains mm-hmm. that are holding their own with villains and henchmen where the villains have some play and the henchmen have some play so I still feel that number two should be high on that list because yeah. he not only holds his own, but he was a good villain that he didn't need a henchman. There was real no he henchman was clever. Yeah. He was smart. He was diabolical. Like he was a really good villain in that movie. I would agree with um, you on that. I, I so I'm okay with, with putting putting as much as I love Jaws. I'm okay with putting him at three, just because I still feel with Jaws and Strongberg combo. It puts him right around number two. Like I kind of put him at like an even tie, but number two is a good solo run. I would agree. I think number three is a good spot. 
for, for Stromberg and Jaws. 100%. So that's it. Number three it is. So, again, we got number one, Goldfinger and Odd Job. Number two is still number two. Uh, number three is Jaws and Stromberg, or Stromberg and Jaws, however you want to say it. Jaws should be in the front, in my opinion. Uh, then you have number four, the Spectre General in red. Uh, number five is Blowfield from You Only Live Twice. Then you have Scaramanga and Nick Knack uh, from Man with the Golden Gun. Then you have Kanaga, Claw, and Baron from Live and Let Die. Then at number eight, you have Dr. No. Uh, obviously from Dr. No. It's kind of self-explanatory there. Then you have Blowfield, Wit and Cade from Diamonds Are Forever, and then Blowfield from On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Yes. I really need to spread them apart. We need more villains on the bottom of the list <laughs> to spread those two apart. We'll get there. We'll get there. I'm sure So we'll that is our, our villain list, our ranking list. Um, overall, we both agreed it was a great movie. We hope that anyone who is actually watching these movies with us where I have seen this movie preferably multiple times would agree that it's a good movie. <laughs> it is definitely a good bond movie. It's a good, you know, solo movie. It has all the things you want, action, comedy, um, even a little bit of romance mm-hmm. and, uh, wit and all to it. So, I mean, it's a great, great movie. Um, but with that, that's it. I mean, that's all we get. What's the next movie again? So, I mean, <laughs> Moonraker. <laughs> yes. Because you got me earlier. I, I was waiting saying, for, oh, it's for, up, for you your didn't. eyes only. I know. Well, because like, I have my notes. Like, don't screw up. It's, I really should have put that in my notes. Don't screw up and say the wrong movie title. Um, it's not for your eyes only, despite the credits and all, like Eric pointed out to us in trivia. It is uh, Moonraker is our next movie. So with that, Eric, I'll let you do the outro. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen. If you liked what you listened to on this episode of Bond in Review, don't forget you can follow us on any social medias, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Presents. Best way to yet again share your list with us. Let us know what you thought of, lo- thought of Laws, thought of Jaws. Laws? Let us know if you love the spy who loved you, me, as much as we <laughs> love the spy who loved me. Yes. Something like that. <laughs> Sorry, the the facial expression you just gave me makes that so much better for all the listeners who didn't see this. Oh, with that said, thank you for joining us. (laughs) Once again, everyone, we appreciate it. Um, We'll see you guys in the next movie, Moonraker. Make sure I got that right. Um, And with that, let the credits roll.